Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Welcome to the Roll for Initiative Podcast. This is the Roll for Initiative Podcast. Volume number three, special insert number seven. DM Vince sitting alongside DM Matt this week. Matt, well, how hello, are you? Hello, everyone. Things are great here. That's right. We're back this week, and this week we have our special insert. We're going to talk about virtual tabletops, but we're going to narrow it down to one really cool tabletop, uh, virtual tabletop, Roll20. And we have our special guests. We have part of the crew of Roll20. We have Nolan. Hi. And we have Richard. Hello. Who are uh, basically part of the Roll20 people that uh, keep the site going. And uh, Nolan, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for Roll20. Uh, so Richard and I are both, there's three people who are involved with Roll20. Riley Dutton is the other one. He's not here with us right now. And he's mostly uh, the programming end of things. For my part, I run the marketplace. Um I'm really involved in all of the external stuff, so I'm the one running around saying hi on podcasts and stuff like this, uh, <laughs> doing things you know, all over the internet and just kind of spreading the good word that is Roll20. Uh, and we also both do a lot of testing, bug reports, and just you know, keeping, keeping everything moving, keeping the machine well-oiled and kind of grooving. Richard, what, what would you say it is that... Um... That's a good question. <laughs> I would say I'm more of a uh, more of a cav. I'm more of a catch-all, I guess. Catch-all. I kind of do everything that's left over after Riley, because Riley does all the programming. So once Riley's plate's full, it's like what's left over that needs to get done. I would say. Uh, but I also run our our uh, biweekly uh, live stream game. Um, when you edit our podcasts, you you do a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, as I said, like I do a lot. I do like, I do the rest of the stuff. That's why I was like, stuff. there's not really like a, I don't think there's like a specific, I it, do lots of things. I think we all do lots of things. Well, stuff. it's funny because this isn't our first, we've, we've done other projects and stuff like that. And just, we've lived with each other and done all these things through the years. So like we have a really natural flow of falling into the right places at the right time. Right. Like we're, we're actually pretty I mean, to to think that we've been doing this for a year with basically the three of us and some assistance in moderation um, is pretty crazy, I think, that we've now got, you know, 160,000 users or whatever, and it's still just these three guys who most of the time can finish each other's sentences when everything is flowing well, so. You just work together so much, you just know each other so well, you know how to respond before the other well, even asked the question. And what the other needs or when the other needs to, okay, yeah, you need to not be here today. You need to go take a break and get, <laughs> get right. out and see the sun. Oh, well, it's the kind of thing too, that there are certain, like just the, just the, the skill set. And I'll take a pretty quick example. No one's not very great with spreadsheets or things of that nature. Um, spreadsheets are terrible. <laughs> uh, but no one's, is a, no one's a much better writer than I am. So I was writing a blog post uh, and I wrote a couple of paragraphs and it didn't look very well. And I just kind of threw it up on our message thing. And I was like, I need you to fix this. And uh, no one was like, well, I need a spreadsheet that, that has this information in it. So it takes the other like five seconds to do what the other would have taken hours to do <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> on their own. Yeah. And then, yeah, then everybody's happy. 
Um, well, so yeah, I think too the the fact that we've been involved with each other so long, uh, there's also a real drive to like impress the others, which is great. <laughs> I mean, it's really nice to have somebody like my my partners in this are people that I want to feel good about what I'm doing. So when we split up the tasks, you know, who's going to do what this week? When I come back with mine, I want mine to be something that people are like, you know, that Riley and Richard are both like, that was awesome. That was great. I'm really glad that he did that and it was impressive. And so everybody's work is kind of in a way that they're trying to make it better so that the other guys are, you know, pleased with it and impressed. So, yeah, I, I, I like these guys a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, Matt and I both have some questions from ourselves. I have some questions from the community that I handpicked myself. So I'm going to just jump right into things for you guys, and you can decide which one of you want to alternate between answering questions. But I think the first question that everyone's always wondering is, tell us the story of how Roll20 got started. Uh, it, it's kind of funny. Basically, so we had played some Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition like three years ago online for a little bit, and then it petered out because it was just too hard to do. Uh a certain program with a lot of port forwarding <laughs> made it difficult for the less technically inclined in our group. And so it stalled out. And then I started playing. Uh, we all moved apart. We were all living in Kansas. And mm -hmm. then I moved out to Las Vegas and Richard moved to D.C. And there was just no way to to make things work. And I ended up part of a uh, a game out here in Las Vegas started playing and then started kind of bragging to Riley that, haha, I'm playing D and D again. And it's awesome. And he was like, man, I really wish that there was some way to do it uh, long distance. And then he figured out um, that a program that he was working on already for image sharing, he started saying, well, what is a tabletop other than images on top of other images? It's tokens on top of maps. What if I took this real time image sharing thing that I'm working on and kind of ported it? And the turnaround was really, really fast. I mean, yeah. it, it, was a right. <laughs> it was a conversation in February. We tested it in March, and Kickstarter was April. Right. Like, I was like, give me a couple of weeks. Let me see yeah. what I can do. And uh, it, it was just crazy, crazy fast. And, it, I mean, that, that was literally all there was to it. Like, Riley calls me up one day after he's got the program made and says, um... I think we should take this to Kickstarter and I want you to like talk me out of that because you know, it'll, it'll take a lot of time. It would be a lot of effort. We really shouldn't do that. Right. Or, you know, this would never be a success. Right. And I was like, no, no, I think this is a good idea. And I think that we should waste you know, <laughs> thousands of hours on this. And yeah, it, I think from there it, it went from, I think one of the things that really helped Roll20 is that it wasn't made as a product initially. It was made as a way for Richard, Riley, myself, and our buddies to play games long distance. And our guiding star in, that, in those early days were if we ever had a, a, an area where we had to choose between design philosophies, we would always just go, okay, what would I need at a table? What would I need if I was playing Monopoly or Settlers of Catan or anything like that? Instead of, well, what does 4th edition need? Because if we'd made it into a 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons game board, I don't think it would be nearly as successful as it is. Might be out of business right now. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And obviously you can't tell us what platform you use other than the web-based. Yeah. Right. Right? Because that would be kind right. of your secrets away. What do you mean? 
like uh, it, your coding platform would it be I mean, HTML5? It's HTML5. Yeah, HTML5. Yeah. Um, it's JavaScript HTML5. Uh, if you actually go to our acknowledgement, I want to say page, it's on the acknowledgements page. Yeah, yeah, everything is there. <laughs> like all the stuff that we use, it's not. I mean, the the code itself is nothing that we've released, but you can definitely see. I mean, we use Twitter Bootstrap for uh kind of the visual yeah. look of the site and it's I'll it's all we use we use firebase for our real-time sync server um mm-hmm. fabric js for the basically the canvassing the, the actual tabletop itself yeah um, I mean, we're yeah everything there is yeah we're not trying to uh to hide the third-party sources or anything like that that we've used there's yeah, you no don't, you don't have some custom-made uh super secret apk or anything that you're no, it's all <laughs> it's all there. Yeah, yeah, it's all open standards that you're just yeah. taking advantage of the existing technologies as opposed yeah. to creating a, something from scratch. Let's go a little further down the timeline. We're doing the kickstart now and you know people are get catching on and backing this. How did G+ get involved or Google Hangouts? How did we get had that get involved with this whole project? Uh, I think it was just a matter of uh, Richard. I keep jumping in. You can stop around when you want to take. Uh, it. No, go ahead. but um, I think it was mostly a matter of we wanted to make certain. So Talkbox, which is our built-in video, is peer-to-peer, and so it was having a rough time um, with some international users. Yeah. And so we were we were looking for something that could give us another option. And it was funny when we first integrated. Uh, we first did the Google Hangout app. Uh, Google Hangouts was not nearly as far along. Like the the amount of progress that Google Hangouts have made in the past year, as far as how smooth they are to run, is really impressive. I think. Yeah, yeah definitely. And so when we started out, it was just kind of like, okay, here's you know, there's a large RPG Google Hangout community. So here's this for those who are already playing, you know, via Google Hangout with a whiteboard, and this will help some international users. But any more Google Hangouts is how we, the development team, play because it is just so smooth and, and such a simple uh, video experience that it really is, is doing very well. At the same time, though, um, there's going to be some announcements here in the, the very near future about uh, WebRTC, which is the new standard in browser-based peer-to-peer video and voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talkbox, who's our built-in app, is moving in that direction, and so there should be some improvements and some new use out of that in the near future as well. So we're it's it's cool to have two options there um, that hopefully you know one will at least work for everybody is the hope. But yeah, Google Plus it was just literally a well, there's a big RPG community there, and you know it's something that's not peer-to-peer based, so it gives a shot to those people who were further apart in their gaming groups. Questions? Yeah. Uh, how much? You, you already referenced some. I was just curious when it comes to how many players you would be able to have online at once before you would start having server issues. I mean, you already referenced that the voice chat and the video chat, that's all being peer-to-peer, so your servers aren't taking the hit for that. So I guess it's just the tiles and the tokens and the dice rolling that's coming off of your servers. Yeah, and really that uh, that's that's all dependent on uh, Firebase, okay. uh, which is our real-time sync server. And actually, they too they were they were in uh, they they're still in beta. Is that right? Yeah, they're still sure. they're still in beta. And I so, think they had just came out of beta when we first 
when well, Rice first started making Rule 20. They just opened their beta. Right, like, right, it's right. still a beta. It was a closed beta, and they opened their beta right as we started putting things together. And it's been a growing process with them. Um, there was one point where we hit, was it, was it 1,500 or what? 1,400. There was yeah. like a magic number where we hit where it was too many people online at one time. Mm-hmm. And so we split across some of their servers and did some other things. And we like we're constantly finding small improvements that help the system run faster for everybody. So an example here within the last like month and a half, um, Riley went in and he was looking at all the data that's stored on every visual object in Roll20. Mm-hmm. And he realized that like 90% of all objects, you take it, you drop it in, and you don't rotate it. Mm-hmm. And he was keeping rotation data on all these o- objects that hadn't been rotated. So he took it out so that there was no rotation data unless you rotated the token. And suddenly that makes everything load faster. Like all Gosh. these weird little things that build up and accumulate to help the system run faster. Um, but right now, I mean, as far as total users on the macro level, we've seen over 2,000 users in a single evening um, at one time. On the micro level of an individual game, we actually haven't test and push that. It kind of it depends on the machines involved, really. Okay. So, yeah, but if, if we you want to talk about that time right after the Kickstarter, I mean, there were there were times during the beta where we were like we had thought about well, we're going to have to build our own sync server. Yeah, <laughs> God, I, mean, I hope not. Like, uh, and actually, that was like that was the main um, barrier from coming out of beta and into just being like just you know just launching or you know being ready for the public was that if so, so many more people hear about us you know we're not going to be a reliable service and we yeah. don't want to be unreliable if we are launched so once we were comfortable that they had uh, everything was sorted out that's actually well, I mean, that was really that was the okay firebase it, is ready let's launch let's do this it's really funny too like the difference between like a, a service that's up online 93% of the time and a service that's up online 99.8% of the time like to to a player, that's all the difference in the world. <laughs> like if seven percent of the time your game is glitching out and messed up, it it doesn't matter. The service is essentially unusual, unusable. Um, so getting that last, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's ninety nine, like ninety nine point one to ninety nine point nine 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 nine. Right. Yeah, and the amount of work to go that little bit is yeah. huge. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, but, and, I mean, but the idea—I mean, the whole thing is, you know, we want it to be online, no download, no install, right. you know, nothing to configure, and then to keep that ease of use and functionality, it needs to be able to be used anywhere all the time, twenty-four-seven. Yeah. So. Right, right, because that seems to be seems to be one of the biggest barriers right now to online gaming is you have your fully featured. Uh, software you can download then it requires you to read a 200 page technical manual to be able to script it properly for your game no thanks no and then you have (laughs) other op uh other services that they work well except they're they have a really high upfront cost before you even get to use it so i i like roll 20 just because i can actually just sign on and use it and it seems like you're right now the way you're generating revenue would be just through your marketplace and selling premium tokens and maps. And uh, do you see uh, like more of a subscription service coming on, or are you, are you happy with just selling uh, custom content at this moment? I think I think that's a big misconception, and I'll let no one talk about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's a 
it's a split is a thing. So there's for these games to work and and this happens out in the real world as well. So when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, there's usually somebody who invests. You know, there's somebody who goes and buys maps, buys tokens, buys the and things that are needed and then invites you over to their house which they're paying rent on and there's a table and there's all these, you know, elements that go into it and then the people pitch in on pizza and that sort of thing. But there's always those friends that you're bringing in that they wouldn't do it if it wasn't, you know, cheap entertainment. Mm-hmm. That there's not uh that they would never go and buy as much as they may love playing these games, they would never go to a store, buy the elements and do those sort of things. And I think that this whole model kind of reflects that. That there's gonna be people who are going to use this service for free mm-hmm. and that helps fill in the games for those who are more serious, who are more power users and that sort of things. So what we really try to do is, one, first and foremost, have a free service so that the barrier to entry doesn't exist. So we can bring in new players, so we can bring in lapsed players, so we can bring in any sort of gamer that would be interested in this with no barrier. But then as we get into the more advanced things, that's where we put the, all right, well, if you want to do this wild and create, you know, if you want a system that you know, lights everything for you and sets up its own shadows and that sort of stuff, that's going to have a price associated with it. If you want these lavish tokens and maps and sort of thing and you aren't bringing your own to the table, that's something that has a cost associated with it. And by doing it in that method, one, it rewards the work that the people, not only us, but, you know, the the majority of the stuff on the marketplace, that money is going to the artists involved. Um, and it rewards um, that work and shows its worth. But at the same time, too, it gives us a like a goal as far as things to push for and improve. Uh, we really want to make the subscription something that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. That, okay, the free service is good, but now that I'm using this a whole heck of a lot and I'm doing all these different things with it, look at all these bonuses that could happen if I went to the other side of things. Oh yeah, you definitely, so. especially if you get the mentor uh, subscription plan. You can get to access the uh, what is it the the development the, server. Development server. Development yeah. server. Thank yeah. you. And <laughs> I mean, the development server is one of those things that it's a it's a it's a benefit, but it's only a benefit if you're interested in that stuff. Like it's a very clear line as far as so if I'm a general user of Roll Twenty. I probably don't want to be working on a server where there's all these bugs and things that are crashing and a mess. But if I'm somebody who's really interested about, okay, so what's going to happen next? And, you know, how do I get input on? So right now what we're testing on the development server is journal entry sorting and all these new updates to it and that you can search it and that there's default token slots for characters and all these things that, you know, people are going to be really excited about but they're in testing right now. So there's problems with it, and we're seeking input on, well, how do we make this part better? Some people don't want to deal with that nonsense, and they shouldn't have to. No. But, but if you're interested in that and you want to get feedback on it, it's a great place that you can literally be involved. Like Everything we do on the development server, we're doing it hand-in-hand hand with the mentors going, so how do you want this to work? And their direct feedback is what's changing the like they really are mentoring the yeah. program and i think when we when we think about i mean when we design the mentor the the subscription program i mean like Nolan said when we look at when you look at an in person group um really there's one person that invests their time and money and their personal resources into the game and then they have 
people come and they play. Um, so when you think about it like that, we never assumed that more than one person per, per gaming group would ever have a subscription on any, at any level, really. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not, it's not effective. You know, there, you shouldn't, everybody shouldn't have to have a subscription in well, order and, to get the bulk of the content out of the, out of, out of real 20. Um, and I think that translates to, to people who want to be behind the scenes and on the, the on the, um, the dev, um, yeah. uh, the dev server, like only, you know, maybe in the, like I said, one of those one in five people would want to get behind the scenes and, uh, and see what's next. So. Well, and I think, too, it, it also goes back to uh, Kickstarter. And this is something that we really strongly believe in. It, anymore, there's a lot of Kickstarters out there which are basically fund this product that's already done. And uh, I think that's crap. <laughs> like, I, I think that a Kickstarter project is something that you, since it's not something that you're investing in, it's something that you definitely should have input on. Like you are you are collaborating with the creators to make a better product, and that's where I mean the the mentor idea started off at that level. We started in the very beginning and said, "All right, you know we we are going to have everybody who pledges to this Kickstarter is going to be involved early in everything, and then these people are going to be more involved as time goes on." Right, and it's it's worked out and been. I think the Kickstarter we talk about fifteen hundred eighty. We know that number. That's the number of yeah. backers we had. Mm-hmm. And we know that just because that was like we went from the three of us knowing about what Roll Twenty was to fifteen hundred and eighty. These were this is our user base now, and that's I think that's our most important number. We always know how many accounts we have uh, because I think that's really the most the most important figure. Like whatever right. we do, it's for those people who use us and support us. So we always want to be stewards of our community, or however you want to say it. You know, we want to be uh, worthy of their money, their time, their loyalty, or however you want to say it. So, Have you considered maybe changing the mentor name for the subscription to something else like development tester or something? Because mentor, when I think it leads me to believe like, oh, I'm new to Roll20, this person's going to automatically help me because he's a mentor. We've had some conversations about what the, the occasional confusion there is with it. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I don't know... I mean, we may try to make it clearer on the forums at some point as far as, you know, maybe there's hover text that says, all right, this is what a mentor is. But yeah. I don't think that that's anything. I think in a lot of ways it's accurate towards what the core of the site is. Um, I think maybe what we need to do is, in addition, do things like this person has experience or this person is somebody who is trusted to uh, discuss here. I mean, we already have about a half dozen people that are highlighted as moderators. And then beyond that, if you were somebody who is in the Kickstarter, that's something that shows up on the forums. But we really would like to do more tags, more badges and stuff like that in the future that kind of give people a way to not only talk to each other on the forums, but find other people to game with that they know are going to show up on time, take it serious. I mean, the biggest problem right now with looking for group in our system is that you know some people don't take it seriously they just spam instead of oh this is something i'm i'm committed to by inquiring about it mm-hmm. so i have some questions about that later on but uh sure. let's back up a little bit about the subscription plans i feel like we're rambling maybe we should make our answer short and sweet for now. <laughs> no no you guys are fine talk all you want 
Uh, one of our, our listeners, who's a frequent person to your uh, your software, Celestian, his name is Mike, he wants to know, oh, when are you going to allow some PayPal subscriptions instead of credit cards? So the thing about PayPal is that the, the programming for it, one, is a bear, but two, uh, if you look around, there's not a lot of subscription services that use PayPal because it's it's not good at what they're occurring. It doesn't match well with uh, our accounting software. There's a lot of things as far as when it actually transfers to the bank. I, PayPal is kind of a, a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we have definitely looked at. <laughs> we've, yeah, definitely... we've looked at it quite a few. I mean, there were times when we're like, are we like, is there, do we need to do this? Do we need to do this now? Like when, But every time we go back to pick it up, it's just like, it would be like the, I think at the, at the, I think at the maximum we would have a, you can buy a one, you know, we can buy a one month, you know, one month membership and that's it. Or maybe like a one, maybe put the yearly memberships one click, but even that would be, it, that's something that's down the road if, if, you know, if we wanted yeah, to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is. And it, people, people seem to think that if you think about it, there's not many things that you're paying that are subscription service for PayPal, and that's a universal thing. I didn't realize that either until I was on the side of having a program right. like this, but it really is a horrible, awful bear. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know someone that has a subscription website and uses PayPal for his subscriptions. He and he told me about once every about every week he loses about five or six subscriptions, and the message says on his end. Uh, the user canceled the subscription. The user got an email saying the site canceled their subscription. No mm -hmm. one knows why. It just happens. And when yeah. they call PayPal, PayPal has no answers for them. Well, and PayPal is PayPal's a very odd entity, I think. In, in some ways, they're, the services that we work with, like our server, uh, Firebase, like TalkBox for our video, like... Even uh, Stripe, which is what we use for our payments and that sort yeah, of thing. Which is awesome, by the which way. Which is amazing. <laughs> like, they're people who respond when we've got emails. They're people who are easy to understand and clear about what they're doing. It, they're, it's a very similar business mindset. Yeah, these. they're the kind of people that are like, you're having a problem. We love your app. We're glad that you use us. What can we do to make your experience with our product better? And uh, So you'll continue to use us. And having that sort of like communication with the people who help our service go like uh, stripe has been so amazing on both the accounting ends and the use end and the security end and they're constantly looking for i mean there have been since we launched subscriptions in september there have been four or five updates that stripe has made which have honestly made our lives easier in terms of the programming in terms of the accounting it, so to have something like that where there where there's constant improvements, I don't know. It, <laughs> it just, it's hard to go. Oh, let's let's jump into something that's really going to make our lives horrible, right? Um, and isn't going to be as responsive. That said, it, it's something that we're going to continuously be looking at because, especially in the international communities, it is a standard, right? But and I think I mean we have a lot of. I mean, we obviously, you can say we've, talk, we've talked about this at length amongst yeah. ourselves. I mean, if it's the kind of thing that if we had unlimited time and resources, it would be on the list of things to get, you know, to be, to be, to, to implement. But that list is pretty long right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's Stop. a lot of things above Stop. it. Job for you guys is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Mark, yeah. 
Like, it, Roll20 is absolutely, for all of us, a full-time job right now, and it doesn't pay, like, a full-time job quite yet. So <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, as more time and, uh, and you know, the money to turn down other work and to... <laughs> Well, it, I mean, it, it's a very real barrier right. to be able to go, all right, I literally like I, I have to go. I have to go either get freelance work or I have to, you know, do this 40 hour a week gig and other things elsewhere when it could be time that's just roll 20 time or we could hire, you know, another programmer here or there and things like that. So, I mean, the the more there are subscriptions, the better. But at the same time, it's not to a point yet with PayPal where we feel like if we did that, it's going to ease that burden. In some ways, we're afraid it may complicate that burden. How, so, how, many, how many hours are dedicated a week towards Roll20? <laughs> this is one of those questions that I never have an answer for. Yeah, I because I live and breathe it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's every day. It's it, it's all day. Like I get up in the morning, and the first thing I do is run through the forms and make certain that nothing is wrong there. Or it it's just so constant a thing that. I'd, it's the kind of thing where if somebody would have told me a year, I think, well, a little over a year ago, I would say that you know, there's going to be something that you just do automatically every day and not think about it. I wouldn't. I'd be like, no, psh, I, that's my video game time, or that's when I'll, you know, yeah, that's when I'll be watching, you know whatever so yeah it's just it's it's all the time every day it's like uh i mean just like i mean you can't not turn it off in your well, mind and like it, just an example with the marketplace alone we probably get i'd say three new applications a day for people to bring in marketplace content on top of that we're dealing with the 30 or 40 people who already have content on the marketplace and every, everybody has their concerns at different levels. Everybody has different levels that they are informed and understand what's going on. So not only am I working to help, you know, I'm working to help people who are new at it. I'm working to help people who are already there and making, you know, hundreds of dollars a month through the marketplace system. And at the same time, trying to keep everybody on the same page, trying to make better documentation. So when we bring in new people on the marketplace, they understand what's going on. Um, looking for ways to with our limited amount of programming time find what we can do on the marketplace to immediately improve it uh that's worthwhile that can be you know just a fast all right what's one thing that we could do on the marketplace with this next update that's small easy to program and it'll help it's just such a constant 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 and that's just one and, portion <laughs> and i mean to be honest like we when we first when we first like it was like okay here we're gonna do all this stuff before we launch and then when we launch we're gonna just gonna sit back see what we made <laughs> and that. take a take a take a breath and just kind of reassess and then we'll make a game plan and like the day we launched and then it just it's never stopped like it was just like never. this is what needs to be get done this week this needs to go next week Still this needs to be done by Saturday and that just that's never stopped happening. <laughs> since so how, how you guys sleep not you know, worrying about the site I, I would wake up in the morning like paranoid the site would be gone or i don't you guys go through that at all um it, it, that's something where everything is set up so that there's <laughs> like alarms essentially when things go bad and riley is a saint and wakes up anytime that there is a, a part of it is that he has two young children that already wreck his sleep schedule Ah, so he's he's used to this, but he is literally on call 
for Roll20 at night. But luckily, it, as we said, there's been a whole lot of server improvements, so there's not been the sort of problems that there were at one point in terms of things going down in the middle of the night. But you know, we've been we've been fairly lucky in that regard thus far, knock on wood. But beyond that, if there is actually a problem... Right I don't think there's I don't think there's ever a time where we don't know where the other person is. Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing <laughs> too. Now, like, it's one of those things. Like, I knew Richard was going to be out yesterday at like uh, a convention, and it was something like I knew. Yeah, just, I knew Nolan was at work till six o'clock. Yeah, like, uh, like <laughs> just know where each other are at all times. So, like, I mean, if I needed to get a message to him, I should you know try to be online this time to make sure this has happened or this needs to happen or whatever. It's funny. We're all married as well. And so there's things like we know when each other's date nights are with our wives. So it's like if an issue comes up that's in Richard's wheelhouse or in Riley's wheelhouse and it's one of their date nights, I need to try to do everything I can to hold that off so they don't have to like cancel date night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, definitely. We don't Uh, need the wife mad. Yeah. Have you guys re- tried reaching out to any uh, game publishers to add content to the marketplace? Maybe uh, maps and tokens for specific modules they've released? Or yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> hard I can say yes. Okay. <laughs> We've reached out to everybody and anybody, uh, if, times. And, and any name <laughs> that you can come up with. We don't need to have a yes or no. The right. answer is yes. Uh, the the problem is. <clears throat> they have to understand and some of them do some of them are figuring out when and where it is best for them to do so but they have to come with the complete package um when we do modules which we're we should have our first few modules that are coming out to users gosh i hope in may um there's one there's one available on the there's one available already on the the development server Uh, that Adventure Week put together, which is very nice. But at the same time, after they put it together, they were like, we don't know if we have the time to do this in the future. Right, I which am. is, I mean, that's that's a completely... That's, that's perfectly valid. Yeah, it's a perfectly valid uh, assessment. But, um, we should have uh, right publishing, which did uh, the breaking of four-star Nagar for uh, map tools and some other virtual tabletops at one point. There's now a port of that, which is coming to Roll20, which should be out in the next month. Uh, but... With both big and small groups, the understanding has to be this has to be a complete one-click package that you can jump in and play. So the maps need to be there, the tokens need to be there, the stat blocks need to be there. You need to have the, you know, if you're an independent publisher, you need to have the rights to all that to make certain that you can do it and do it digitally. And if you have all that and bring all that to the table, it really is easy because all you have to do, it's not a programming issue, it's not a highfalutin you know, you've got to do weird things in this way. All you have to do is set up a game in Roll20. After you set up a game in Roll20, we can go in behind the scenes, take it, copy it, and make it something that other users can use with your permission. It's just the, the one thing, too, is most publishers, I mean, big or small, really, you know, they, they might have maps, they might have, you know, their tokens. But, I mean, when you buy a module, when you buy a book, you know, you get the story, uh, but you don't get all of the maps. You don't get 100% of the maps for every encounter. You don't get 100% of the tokens for every... NPC and, and, and monster you fight, um, you know, so that, that, that's kind of stuff where we can't take the liberty of, you know, using a, a, a you know, a, an, a blank or, you know, like a, yeah. a square token in place of their, you know, four star, you know, goblin orc general, you know, to say, you know, in this, 
you know, super, you know, master level fantasy, you know, the user wants the full, the whole thing, you know, yeah. and you know, we and want to give them the experience. It's just, we think it's really important, one, in that it gives the opportunity for quick play. It's something that when surveyed, something like 70% of our users say that they would spend money on the marketplace if they had one-click modules that were of the game type yeah. that they play. Like, it, there's so much to be done there. And our, our standard deal, and this is public, this is everywhere, is that if you guys do all the work, if you, if you come in as a publisher and you set it up inside of Roll20 and you have all the elements, 70% of each sale, and I'm not talking you, about profits. You, you, you own the rights to the elements? You own the rights. We don't you, take you, any rights. You write, you write the module to, a, to, a, to either an open rule set game or you own the rights to the rules? Yeah. You 70% <laughs> of every sale. We handle the credit card fees out of our 30%. We handle, we advertise it, we push it to our users, we do everything. We... When you do something with a store and a physical product, it's a 50-50%. This is a, this is a better deal than the other digital publishers out there do because they don't handle the credit card fees. They expect that something they, – they split the profits – they split it profit 70-30. We don't even do that. Like our, our deal to creators is really, really good in part because uh, what or I do – no one's a Yeah, creator. like I'm a, I'm a creator. <laughs> I write comics yeah. and so it's really important to me that creators are well taken care of, that they have ownership of their work, and that they are essentially given a platform to do cool things out of. And so this is something that I'm really, really passionate about, and it's one of those things that one of these days, somebody, and maybe it's somebody listening to this podcast, has content that they can bring and and share with the community, and I think that person's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like if I had more time in my day, I would go be that person. But I don't have enough time to, you know, get the art team together. And because there's no doubt that making content is just as big a thing as as anything. I mean, content is is king. Content's the most important part of any of this. So, you know, we're focused on making a table. If you have something to put on the table, do it, <laughs> please. Yeah. Team.roll20.net. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the answer to that question. Yeah. So obviously, if you don't own the rights to, say, the module that you want to use, you can use it on a private basis, but you wouldn't be able to distribute to the community. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Th- you can't distribute. I mean, obviously, if you don't own it, you can't distribute it is, is the short legal truth of that. And rightfully so. Yes, I want to make it clear. Even on a free basis, you wouldn't be able to distribute it at all. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's something that you've got to have the proper rights to, right. to distribute. and. You know, anything, there's so much out there now that makes it really clear. I mean, there are things that are open source that'll say, yes, you can distribute this, but you can't make any profit. Or you can distribute this and make profit as long as you attribute this way. Just look at the rule sets of what you're using. Look at the art content of what you're using, and you should be able to figure out pretty quickly as to. Yeah, I mean, Pathfinder took the the open gaming license and, you know, ran with it, so. Yeah. There are a lot of things out there you can do, and... It's just a matter of taking the time and effort to do so. I'm really surprised that Paizo hasn't incorporated you guys with their society and all the information that they have available that's digital. And that's one of those <laughs> we are really surprised too. But what yeah, do we I mean, do? We've, we've, talked to them, we've talked to them a few times, different yeah. occasions at different events. And, uh, I mean, Nothing came out of it really? Well, I mean currently they're, they seem to be more interested in possibly making their own virtual tabletop. Yeah. And I don't – 
I mean, that's that's their. Yeah, I don't blame part. them. I mean, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, right. it's. It's not. It's this kind of thing where we you can't get. I mean, we we do we don't get upset about it, or we don't even feel off. To be honest, it's just like it's the ball's in their court. To be yeah, honest. and we we can't sit around thinking about it much. Yeah, longer. I mean, Pathfinder is the second most played game in our system, and we would love to have official items for it, and uh, they would sell like hotcakes. Uh, but that's one of those things that if I sit around and I think about that, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna be a real downer on my day. So I'd rather just go and worry about the people who are bringing content and doing. I mean, people who are straight up independent, like Devin Knight, who is launching from as the result of his Kickstarter, is now launching something like 600 new tokens in the next yeah. week, awesome. like like 20 some new packs. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah. It's so freaking cool and so awesome. Uh, that's that's the thing that I think. All right, you know, this is what we're doing it for now. And one of these days, one of the and it, it's not that there aren't major companies out there who haven't put in serious consideration. There are, and we'll see what happens as the result of that. But you know, in the meantime, it's just a a game where if you're it, interested, write those companies too and tell them that you're playing in Roll Twenty and digitally and how important it is to you. I think the important thing is I think they I mean if we want to talk about the big two, Wizards and Paizo, I mean they they've you know, Wizards had their failed virtual tabletop. Paizo is trying to make theirs right now. I mean they know that there's a market for these things. Yeah. I mean D and D next play test, they're like, Yes, you can test it digitally, please do. Um I mean they see it they see I guess they, they see the horizon out there. And I think they're very cautious about how to approach it. Well, it, it's not just, I don't think, caution. At some point, it's its about a time investment as well. I mean, like right. I just said, if I had more time in the day, I would make content. Uh, from their perspective, if they had more time in the day, they would publish digitally. But, you know, where do you make that time? Where do you free things up? Where yeah, do you get I the mean, team to do that? They're, so, they're, they're, yeah. But one of these days, I think that we will see, you know, whether it's uh, Savage Worlds, whether it's Wizards, whether it's Steve Jackson games, whether it's whomever, whatever, that some of these content producers will go, all right, let's do this, even just on a small level, one trial, and right. they will see. I mean, the, the marketplace has grown tremendously in terms of it, it makes, <laughs> there are 50% more sales on the marketplace each month than the last. Uh, it, it grows at an insane pace. And what, at some point, that pace is just going to be too big to ignore. So, here's hope. And we do have a couple. I know we do have a couple board games. People who are yeah who plan on releasing them through the through the marketplace. Um, oh. It's just like the functionality isn't there yet, which we understand. Like that's one of the reasons card yeah. decks is next is that we yeah. want to help several card games that have been talking about coming to roll twenty. And that's something too. We've been really diligent. Uh, at one point, we had. We had an intern out of uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology who hopped on and was helping us out with a lot of things. And he actually went to every gaming Kickstarter that there was. Like anything that was active, recently done, and as they came online and said, hey, this is a cool project. This seems like something that would work within a digital table space. You should consider this. And we've had two things like kind of move forward out of that. But out of the 50 or so that he contacted, none of them are still on the marketplace. It's it's a time game. But yeah. one I mean, of these when you days. Have a physical, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, if you're a gaming company, you want your, you want your, you want the box in a store. Yeah, right. You want people playing around table. And I mean, they would be like, yeah, that's really cool. If it could be digitally, that'd be awesome. But, you know, I need to get through, you know, steps one through 10 before I get to step 11. So, 
we're just that's just this is all we do so yeah. <laughs> all right matt you have any more questions uh, no that ain't pretty much answered mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have some, feelings there. some questions here from users. I'm, I, I've seen these questions on the forums as well, and I'm sure you guys have read them and went, oh, we're working on that, or we can't do anything about it. But I have one from DM Dan, and uh, I've had this problem myself. It's about pasting icons of, or player avatars from page to page. A couple people said it's a hassle. Mm-hmm. He wants to know if there's a way to copy and paste it from one page to the next without it slowing down, or when they paste it, maybe not pasting in a random area. Because uh, he said a lot of times when he pasted, it exposed some of the area of fog by accident and ruins the game on his his uh, you know, planned adventure. So what um, are you doing to address something it, like that? We, are, we have worked several things and are continuing to improve as far as where things paste. And that's going to be something that I think is is constantly going to be until we find the precise solution, whether it's you know it comes where the mouse is or whatever, We'll be figuring out, but within the next update, there yeah, is I now. Right, I think right now on the dev server, right? Yeah, it's already on the dev server. Yeah, there's so, a. Do you want to read it, or do you have it up? And no, I, no, no, I got no. it I was, in front of me. I was going to. I mean, basically, you can read it, but from the from the journal tab, whether you keep your you know, your character, uh, you know, the character, whatever handouts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, basically, you can click on there, pull up your character, and there will be a slot for your token. Uh, then you can just drag the token from the character sheet to the table. So. You won't have to copy and paste anymore. Yeah, and that way too, the stats will stay. So previously, you were copying the stats from the last. So if you want to copy the stats from the map they were on, mm-hmm. you can do that, or you can have it now coming from the default token slot. Um, so yeah, there, there is a a change to that literally on the development server right now, and should be out in our next update on the first of May. So look forward to that. And pasting will be kind of addressed in the future, hopefully, right? Yeah, it, and that's one of those things. We've actually done several improvements to where things paste in terms of order on the map, both up and down, uh, so the Z order, as it were, and where it pastes on the map. Um, I'm trying to think of what the current parameters are set on that. I can't remember what the last change was with that, but that is something that we've played with. You know, several times in the past, and I imagine we'll play with several times in the future. Okay. And I have one. You've probably seen this name all over the place, Old School Chris. I've seen the name Old School Chris. I've seen that name. He's one of our listeners, and uh, he was playing one of my games on your World 20. Actually, we're playing an MIB D6 game on your site right now. Ooh. Pretty cool so far. Anyway, uh, he wants to know, and uh, I've seen this problem myself as well, and offered a suggestion up. Uh, the looking for group. A lot of people obviously don't know about it, and they just post randomly, <laughs> randomly in the forum, and without going to look for group first. Yeah. Maybe there is a way that we can incorporate to use some type of tagging instead of freeform box, and looking for groups that the people have to click off the edition or the game. Because I know a lot of people are putting in the wrong tags, and you have games labeled wrong, and make it just throws people off. Well, I mean, a drop down is something that I think will happen, but at the same time, we don't want to. It, there's so much that's going on that's homebrew and that sort of thing that we don't necessarily want to lock everything into. This is exactly what it is. This is exactly what we support. But at the same time, I do think that there's there's a few things that are just so established as all right. There's enough people playing this, so we could probably go ahead and put some of those more established uh, tags in there. 
The social and looking for group features are something that we've literally been working on the past two months as far as figuring out, well, are we going to do player ratings? Are we going to do uh, this or that? And it's it's going to be a constant uh, refresher as the next few months go forward until we get... I mean, it, helping people... Now that we have so many people, helping them get into games is the next logical progression. And so, uh, I mean, just recently, if you've been on the forums, you've seen me on the looking for group forum saying, hey, if you're if you're making this here, are you making this over there in the system? Because the system is way better. And that's something I think a lot of people don't realize. They go, oh, well, I can write all this stuff here on the forums. And there's all these people looking at the forums. It's not as easy to search because it's always going to be based on the time you posted it instead of the time the game is happening. Whereas you can yeah. sort the looking for group system based on the time the game is happening. So you can find out whether or not... I think it has to do with the fact that people don't read and they're not looking. Yeah, well, but... Thing, I, uh, when we first... I remember we had the looking for group forum during the closed beta. Um, just to kind of... We threw it up just to, you know, to you know, facilitate games, obviously. Yeah. To get to testing. And then when we made the, the listing, you know, the... the the you know the the functionality of it that's there for making games and posting what times they play. I was like, all right, we're going to delete that form now, right? Yeah. That form is getting deleted, and they're like, no, you know, people still use it. We'll leave it. But I've always wanted to just delete, just get, just get rid. One of, it. of these days, <laughs> like <laughs> just get rid of it. Like the functionality is like it need, the looking for group listing. It needs some seems some more things, and I think that's why we're not quite comfortable with getting rid of it altogether. Uh, but yeah, that that the the, the pinnacle of finding games is that you won't need a forum yeah it'll i mean there are forums on the individual listings so if you have questions about specific games you can ask them there yeah um and hopefully that can just go away they'll just disappear i mean think of how nice that would be to be to a point where everything in that looking for group system is as such where you know you see the games and each one like you said each one of them already has a sub form so you can go in there and say hey i see that you're playing uh, since i'm a fourth edition junkie fourth edition so do I have to use you know the core classes or can I do this crazy hybrid thing? Because you don't say anything about that I can't be a rogue war priest hybrid <laughs> or whatever silly thing that I want to do. And so having that, that you can go in and, and have those conversations there, that takes care of a lot of it. It's just making certain that, you know, it's easy enough to search that all the elements are there, that there's... At the same time that it's moderated enough that there's not, you know, just trash or pornography or something awful out there. But because, we are, I mean, sorry. No, say we are. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> as I, in, 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 it really, in, a, in essence, the looking for group right now is really a looking for player listing. Yeah. The, the group is there. It needs people to fill it. So we thought about, too, maybe having a looking, an actual looking for group where, like, I am a protective player. I want to play the. I have these four types of systems I'm interested in. I'm available at these times, yeah. And GMs could look at them, or that'll match that profile to games that are available in that profile or something. So, yep, yeah. it is something that we've talked about. There, it's a problem that needs to be solved for sure. It's just again resources. We'll get there. I like <laughs> changed up the whole system when you post it locally looking for group instead of just applying to the game. You can right. post in the subtopic forum of the game. Hey, I'm interested, and this is what I bring to the table, and the GM can just. Like invite the game. Yeah. It makes it easier. And that's the, I mean, we are constantly looking for those sorts of solutions. It's one of those things like it, it, it's a fight in that 
sometimes it feels like this is all happening very, very slowly. But at the same time, if we look at it in the context of it's been a year and there was literally no program a year ago, things are going quickly. <laughs> they really are. So, you know, bear with us and we will get to the point where we get over some of these cliffs. Um, it's just, you know, continuing. We keep putting one foot in front of the other every day and hopefully things keep getting better. All right. So what are some of the things that are in the works that you can tell us about that we could see in the future? I think the the easiest thing to talk about is the API, which is a, an application programming interface. Okay. So this is for mentors. Um, and essentially what's happened is as we have all these new elements that come into Roll20, uh, our interest has always been in just having a tabletop. We don't want a video game. We want a, t- a shared table service that we can gather around and just kind of hang out and have fun. Right. Uh, but there are people who disagree with that. Yeah, and obviously. So- <laughs> that being said, people coming over from other tabletops with a lot more um, automation set into yeah. it, you know, they admit like, oh, I miss my my complicated, you know, I miss spending 12 hours on macros and then hitting one button. And, yeah. You know, and I want to so- be able to I want to be able to use what I know already and make this, you know, better. So, yeah. so this is this is giving a programming interface for those people that want to do that. Uh, and that is absolutely a paid service. If you're, if you want to get into that stuff, okay, you can, that is, that is paid. Go and do that. And you can make the program do all sorts of weird things that you want it to do. And that will free us up a lot to go back in and worry about the thing. So our plan, like it is set in stone that the next update May 1st is going to have a large portion of this uh, application programming interface. Uh, After that, our plan right now is that we're going to go back and look at card decks because that's a really clear thing that working on card decks isn't anything about automation. It's purely about making something yeah, functioning like a table. How do you trade cards more easily? How do cards like right now there's a big problem in that when you put a card out on the table, the size is not the size that the card was originally. And so we're going to change some of the sizing features as for what cards are when they come onto the table and, we're we're going to make that whole system just flow a lot more naturally so that you can do more and more things with cards in the system and that'll be a real nice very simple update uh but with both those updates we're also going to see some improvements to the social features and the the looking for group stuff and i'm trying to think of what else we've decided is in the near future um I mean, those are those are definitely the highlights. We have regular meetings as far as what's going to happen. And then on our internal podcast, we announce a lot of it once it's more set in stone. But those those two things, the API and the card decks are the things you can definitely look for improvements in May on. And the API is going to be the kind of uh, kind of thing where, like, you know, if somebody develops a way in the API to, you know, automate the way something specifically happens and say like shadow run with the way I'm, I'm a, I don't know component of shadow run, but you know, like if you always wanted to be able to do this in your shadow run games, here's the script that does it. And they can yeah. share that. And whoever is somebody else runs shadow game, they can just copy that API script, paste it right into their game. And then they have it already and it's ready to go. Like, yeah. It's that kind of, uh, advanced integration that I, well, I think the, the first things that we played with were things like, uh, hit points where it would automatically put up a certain marker, when a token hit so many hit points for bloodied or hit so many hit points for uh, deceased. And so things like that, there's going to be a lot of different automated things that people can do with this. I think uh, another example is if, um, 
if you know you put a light source on a on a, on a token, you know he's got a he's got a lantern, but it runs out in fifty feet, you know, and it'll track its movements, and in fifty squares, the light source will go down to zero, you know, that kind of thing. Which is all really cool, but it's all also very video gamey. And all very awesome thing. things, but things that when we're when <laughs> things that when we when we need like you said, we need to rehaul the looking for group feature, or we need to make sure that the pasting and ordering is right. That's the kind that's like wasted. That's resources. what yeah, that's what we want to work on. We want to work <laughs> yeah. on the stuff that just makes everything super Easier. duper easy to yeah. use. So if you want to work on these crazy complex weird things, power to you. Here's the way that you can do it now, yeah. um, and that's that. Hopefully, is going to free us up to have more time to just stay the course and do, you know, what makes this program great for everybody. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm really excited about it because I think the people are going to do some really cool things that we never even imagined with that system. Yeah. But I'm uh, I'm more excited in the realm of okay, I don't have to worry about you know people saying, well, there's no way for us to do this crazy macro thing again. Like that's gone. <laughs> you, you can go and do that. And that's not. It's not gone. It'll it'll be there. Yeah, well, it it can be there, and we can just go uh, look at API, and then go back to doing things like making it way easier to trade cards, which is the sort of thing that should just feel natural because that's a tabletop experience, and that's the sort of thing that we're concerned with. Yeah. What is uh, something you like to see get fixed, or something you like to see implemented in the future? Uh, I think we've talked about a lot of. I mean, for me, having more modules and that sort of thing on the marketplace is big. Card features uh, working more fluidly is big. Um, the images that w- when you drop them on the table being the appropriate size and that sort of thing. It, there's just lots of little fixes like that. That um, the thing that I always bring up is something that I would really like is when you first get into Roll Twenty, the maps you go up to the page feature to find them, and then the gear. And I wish that that was just a little bit more intuitive. And one of these days, I'm going to think of something brilliant that makes that more intuitive. Um, but, you know, overall, I I like the program a lot. And I think that as long as we continue to polish it, uh, it's going to get better. There's nothing out there that just screams, oh, this is breaking everything for me. I mean, the, technically, the game, the Roll20 was doing what I needed it to do. Uh, f- to play with my friends <laughs> in April of last year uh, before it was open to anybody else. So there's nothing out there that's horrific as far as I'm concerned. It's just about you know making it better. Richard, is there anything that you think of that just drives you crazy? Um, I think nothing in app, but I think, I think honestly, I think like the biggest um, thing that's wrong would be that there aren't enough GMs that run games. I think there are a plethora of players I want to play or people who had never played RPGs at all. They'd be like, oh, I'd be interested in playing, but there's no way on earth that I'm going to GM a game. For one, I don't know anything about RPGs, tabletop RPGs or board, you know, you know, a war game or anything like that in general. And then also I have to learn this program. You know, it's different when your buddy sends you a link and then you're in the game and that's it. Yeah. Then they're explaining how to, how to play it. And it's different coming in and so... I would like that onboarding process to be a little easier for somebody who, you know, have you always been interested in, in online gaming or, you know, here's, here's how you do it, you know, um, just a way to increase the number of GMs really. And I think that'll increase the number of games, which will increase the number of GMs, which will increase the number of games. And I think it's like exponential from there. So I think maybe if we, like we were talking before the show, if the community stepped up and offered 
to start their own little mentor program different from obviously what you guys have but let's say like oh we'll spend some time and we'll show everyone how to be a gm so that way they're more comfortable learning the rules right. and then jumping into a game and that's, so that's, most, the, that's the kind of thing too or like you'd have to be a uh there's there's people that do that and, and, and more things like that would be awesome but you have to be a, a member of the forums you know to, to even like see something like that or be about the you know I guess I, I I think we need to do something that is, you know, that will just be on the front page the first time you sign up for an account. I mean, we do have like uh, we have tutorial videos, uh, yeah. but um, and I think that that does help a lot. But maybe uh, I, I guess I don't think we haven't thought of it yet, but I, I think the, getting more GMs, however we do that, I think that's the that's the thing I want to fix. Maybe a volunteer basis with a uh, trainer badge for that way people see trainer and they're like, oh, maybe this person can help me. Uh, and there are a few people like off the top of my head that I can think of if we did something like that, we would, you know, immediately point to. It's just a matter of. Oh, yeah. I just had a, uh, I talked to one of our users. His name is Ajax, the cleaner. Yeah. Uh, he runs tons of games. 67 years old. He's He ran games with Gygax in the original, it's first Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays five games a week on Roll20, an in-person game on his own. He's a Pathfinder side guy. I mean, like, it's crazy. And he's, he's <laughs> awesome, though. And he's constantly I, bringing in new people. I, wanna, and... I, wanna, I wish I could clone him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is the, the perfect GM. And it's one of those things, it, to some extent, people also have to make themselves known. on the, This is one of the – we are not an island by any means. Uh, the people who are moderators with us are people who have distinguished themselves on the forums. Yeah. We have moderators on other places like uh, Google – Google Plus communities and Reddit and stuff like that who are people who have, you know, taken initiative. If people are stepping up and kind of making clear that they are the help, they very naturally have ended up in positions so far um, and, and been institutional. Every, every single one of our moderators is somebody who, you know, at some point stepped up and, and told. And those people were, they were easy to find at the beginning because like you know, the first couple of days of beta, we'd have, you know, a thousand uh, uh, yeah. feature requests, you know, suggestions. <laughs> so I, know, I still remember or, Zach Cross, who's one of our moderators. Like, the, there was a point where he had <laughs> he had answered like twenty different forum yeah, posts. He just starts hey, answering questions here, before we could. We just like give yep. him a badge and send him into like just deputize him. Yeah, we have <laughs> guys like. <laughs> and, but I mean, that's that's really what it is. If if people are there and talking, we. We do notice we are there reading it ourselves and we definitely see the patterns of, hey, this person has been really helpful. They're really polite. They're really friendly. They don't overstep their bounds and try to pretend that they know something that they don't. They just offer the most honest you know, and helpful opinion that they can. And we've been really, really lucky with our moderators so far. And I think you know, as we see more uh, community creations, like we are seeing now people doing uh, simulcasting and live streaming and stuff like that that are becoming more and more institutionalized things that we expect to be sharing across our social media and stuff like that because these people are taking the time to make you know a quality thing to share with others and yeah we if if you say roll 23 times somewhere on the internet we find it <laughs> is, is the is the honest to goodness truth say what yeah, like Candyman come through the mirror. Or exactly. Something. No, it really is true. You say you say roll twenty enough times, and we do show up, and we are we like we love how enthusiastic the community is, and the people who take ownership of it. So 
you know, if, if that's something you're interested in, take ownership of it and eventually the stars will align to the point where it is institutionalized. Promise. It is amazing to see how many people who do not know about Roll20. And I get a lot of questions a lot in our emails asking what's the best place to go. And I'm always like, well, Roll20, Roll20, Roll20. It's the best place. Everyone's like, well, what about Map Tools? I'm like, no, dude, if you don't want to learn programming, <laughs> I'm not dissing Map Tools or putting them down. They're a wonderful source. But if you just want to go in, throw things on a screen and play, Roll20. I always tell everybody, Roll20, the easiest thing to learn, no learning curve, very simple may take a few minutes to just upload something, but that's about it. That was that was the hope, was that it was yeah. easy. I mean, from our vantage point, we wanted to play with people who didn't necessarily, you know, sit all day. And it, port forwarding was a big thing. But beyond that, just we wanted things to be intuitive for guys who both had played previously in real life. Or secondarily, I mean, we have somebody in our development streams who had never played a role-playing game before and is not a big computer guy. And he manages because, you know, the system is really, really simple. Hey, go go to this point and, you know, put in this stat and it works. So it's good to hear that. <laughs> yeah, so I always try to push people towards the website to get more exposure, to have more fun in games. So thank you. We just and I, we feel like... I uh, like you said, I feel like everyone I feel like everybody knows about us already, they but should. we still oh. we still get like <laughs> we get six hundred new users a yeah, day six, at least eight hundred new users. I'm like, where are they? like I, I one day that number is going to stop that people are going to stop coming because everybody's going to have heard about us already, and then either they are using us or they decided they don't like us or whatever. So I wish we knew where people aren't hearing us, and then we can go let them know about us. Well, I think I think one of the cool things about this is that we have two user bases that are really interesting out there in terms of people who play in real life that you know then their party splits up because they move apart which is our experience or people i mean i can think of so many people because of my time in the comics realm that are interested in you know i've heard about dungeons and dragons i've heard about pathfinder i've heard about munchkin i've heard about all these different things that people get together and play but i've never done it and for them to have a way that they can do it that's kind of, you know, low risk that isn't as scary as, well, I got to go down to the store and I don't know what the people are going to be like and they could be mean. You know, if, if it's online and everybody's mean, I can just <laughs> yeah, I can just hit X on the program and run away and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's perfect to just if you just want to sit home on Saturday and join a game and, you know, just sit there in front of your computer camera no camera all you need is a headset sit there with your chips in front of you and your dice if you don't want to use the program to roll and you can play a game all day long my dream is someday after roll 20 is my full-time job that uh and i'm gonna take like a week and just (laughs) jump around looking for group games and just play like not (laughs) just go and try out all sorts of systems that i haven't done and just dink around and have fun because I think that that is out there for the people who, you know, have the the time to do it. So, man, I really want to do that one of these days. But there's just if I did that right now, the system would fall apart. <laughs> so got to keep fighting. All right. So I got one last question. I always ask this and this is the infamous. If you were a household appliance, which one would you be and why? Starting with Nolan. Oh, man. If I was a household appliance, I... Uh, I'm really fond of my red swing line stapler. 
You know, I, I don't even print that much stuff other than like scripts that I'm reviewing. But it's a beautiful thing to look at. It's a functional thing. It's a thing that, you know, for those who have seen Office Space, it's got an in-joke element to it. And I want to be all I want to bring things together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to be humorous as I do it. And I want to look cool as I do it. So a red swing line stapler would definitely be very high on my list of household appliances I would want to be. Okay. And Richard? Uh, I don't really know how to answer. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have you were household appliance. Come on, it's a great on something question. Um, I guess I feel like in our working dynamic, I'm kind of the uh, the middle. I don't know the the, the I don't want to say the problem solver. Uh, but the. Um, the referee, the adjudicator. Yeah, referee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the referee, the, uh, the guy that's in the middle. That's like, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's the moderator. Yeah. Now, what do you think? Oh, that's also interesting. Um, it's adapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I would be. Uh, I would be a universal. I would be a universal remote control. Hey. Uh, for uh, yeah, to so like TV, internet. You know the app, the Apple one that that works with every Apple device or something. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very cross-platform. Yeah, crossover. There you go. Oh. Um, yeah, that's what I would think. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Nolan. Thank you, Richard, for joining us today. And uh, for those people out there, Roll20.net is where you can go. And if they want to get a hold of you on there, they would just have to hit contact us, and you could probably get one of the two of you. It's probably a general email address. That goes uh, to one team of you. at Roll20.net gets the three of us, and oh. uh, you know whomever is – that's one of those things again that we we have really good working dynamics so we know but we know who's asking we know who's responding to which email like i can look at the title and i know who's going to respond to that email and when it's going to um and at the same time though our forums are really the best place uh for just general use questions or or any number of things because again we love it when members of the community are talking about stuff and sometimes they'll have better answers than we have and more time to answer than we have so if it's something as far as a use question or even bigger things like, hey, so when? what about PayPal and stuff like that? It, the forums are a really good resource for that. And ourselves and the people who are, you know, most informed are there helping out as well. So both those, both team at Roll20.net and the, uh, the community forums are really good places to hit us up and ask whatever. Awesome. Well, I'm going to say this is Vince for Matt signing off, saying keep it original, keep it old school, and roll your virtual 20s on Roll20.net. Roll for initiative.